0: Um, So I just want to welcome you all tonight, Um, coming out when it's a beautiful day, and you could be down at the river right now, coming out to hear God's word, uh, to worship with one another and fellowship with one another. So I commend you all, uh, and hopefully the sun is here to stay for the week, and maybe for the rest of the summer. That'd be nice. How many of you guys enjoyed the thunderstorm on Sunday? Uh, That was, uh, uh, for some places of the Northwest, it was a shocking experience. for, uh, For other folks, there was a rumbling uh, yeah, those were really bad weather funds. Uh, so uh, don't take me to the bank on those. Uh, open up your Bibles, because that's what you guys are here for. You're not here to hear me joke. Uh, if you did here to come my, if you did come to hear my jokes, you were in the wrong place because I suck at jokes. Um, but yeah, uh, open your Bibles, guys, to John, John chapter one. We are in week two of our series through the book of John, uh, which I preemptively told you last week was probably going to be a 40-week long series, um, and I am, the more I continue to dig in, the more I continue to study it up. Um, is it okay if we're in John till this time next year with you guys? Is that okay? No. I know we got a lot of verses to cover, a lot of chapters, um, but I already can tell you, I've already got the next three-week sermons planned out, uh, and all of them happen to be in the first Three verses of John, uh, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Pray for me uh, because we have a lot we're going to cover. No, I promise it's going to pick up. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a nice long time. It's going to be fun. Uh, we tackled Ephesians in 15 weeks, and that has five chapters, so you do the math. How we'll, we'll go about this, uh, but yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, so you guys have your Bibles open to John chapter one. If you got your Bibles open to John chapter one, uh, let me know by saying holla. If you aren't there yet, let me know by saying hold up. Hold up. Alright, Evan's (laughs) running to the car to get his Bible. Run, Evan! Um, That's awesome. Uh, But before we read, I just want you guys to keep your fingers there. Uh, I just want us to do a little bit of review from last week. Uh, Last week, the title of the message, if you were taking notes, uh, you wrote down the title of the message, which was Beloved, and we talked about... The disciple whom Jesus loved. We talked about John, and we kind of set up the groundwork and the framework for who this John is. What makes him so important. What he did. uh, His role in the church. His role in Jesus' ministry. uh, Where he lived. When he lived. The people he lived around. We talked about his family. Because, as I told you guys last week, using proper hermeneutics. thats that fancy Bible school word that has to do with how do we figure out what's actually being said. Uh, if we use proper hermeneutics, uh, we got to look at who, where, why, and all this uh, for the reasons why the Bible was written to specific groups. And so we did that with John. And so I just want to read a quote to you guys uh, that actually I thought was a really good quote, and I think it fits for what we, uh, what we did last week. Uh, it's a quote that was written down uh, in about the 5th century AD. Everyone say 5th century Okay, that was a long time ago. For those of you who don't know history, uh, 5th century was about uh, 16 centuries ago. Uh, we're living in the 21st century, so that would make the 5th 16. I'm a history guy, not a math guy. Did I do my math right? Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, and this was written down by a guy by the name of John Chrysostom. Everyone say John Chrysostom. John okay. uh, Chrysostom. This is not the John who wrote the Gospel of John, but his name's John. It was a common name. He still is. Uh, raise your hand if you know a John or if you are a John. Raise your hand if you've used the John. No, that's not John. All right. But well, everyone knows a John. Don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I said, you don't come here to hear my jokes. Um, but this is what John had to say. Uh, and, and I have this quote here. John Chrysostom said this. He said, Where John, uh, Were John about to converse with us and say to us words of his own, we would need to first describe his family, his country, and his education. But since it is not he, but God by him, that speaks to mankind, it seems to me superfluous and distracting to inquire into these matters. And As I read that, I was like, oh... That's what I spent last week doing. But then he goes on to say this. Uh, He says, And yet, even thus, it is not superfluous, but is very, very necessary. For when we have learned who he was, and from whence he came, who his parents were, and his character, then we hear his voice, and all his heavenly wisdom, and then we shall know right well, that's not a phrase we use anymore, but right well, that these doctrines belong not to him, but to the divine power stirring in his soul. That's a pretty good reasoning for why we should take a look at who John was, who his family was, and why he was writing. Not so we could get to know him, but that it is in knowing him we know who and why he was writing the things uh, down, what he was doing. And we said last week was he was introducing us the church, and Christians to the light, and the light which is Christ, hence the title of our sermon series, I Saw the Light. You guys got your Bibles still in John chapter 1, verse 1? We're going to pick up a portion of Scripture that I would assume you've heard maybe once. If you haven't heard, this is a good introduction to it, because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it tonight. But this is what it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank You so much for Your Word. God, and we pray that tonight, as we spend these next few moments, God, diving into what Your Holy Word has to say, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, God, would be encouraged uh, by the truth that is in your word. Uh, God, that we would be inspired to live our lives uh, for the things of your word, God. That we would live our lives for the things of you, God. That we would be inspired each and every single day, uh, God, to make it a purpose to live for you. God, and not only that we would be encouraged and inspired by your word, God, but we pray that your word would challenge us. God, we're not coming for information but God, we're coming from revelation, uh, for revelation that leads to transformation. God, we want your word to transform our lives. So God, we pray that tonight, each and every single one of us, God, would hear something and be able to take something, a truth from your word, a nugget, God, that, that we can take and run with, God, and that it will uh, impact not only our lives, but God, the lives of those around us. So God, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Uh, God, we just pray and I pray that tonight, God, none of these would be my words. Uh, God. God, that I would step aside that I would lay my own pride and my own egos aside, but, God, that your perfect word could come through. God, that anything that would be of me of this world, God, may I fall on deaf ears, or God, may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. But, God, that your perfect word comes through. So, God, we thank you and we praise you and your Son's wonderful beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's saints said, Amen. 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 Well, hey, let's just reread this real quick, Uh, and we're going to do something fun. We don't really ever do this, uh, but... How many of you guys have uh, a New King James Bible in front of you? Anyone got a New King James? Good. All right. All, all you smartphone Bibles, <laughs> we'll just the Concordance or the Lexicon of Bible, whatever. Uh, if you got a New King James, raise your hand. One more time. If you got an NIV, raise your hand. Any ASBs? Any NASBs? Any ESBs? And we got an ESV in the back. Uh, uh, what else? What's something that someone has? New Living. New Living. Do we have any Amplifies? Alright, what we're going to do is pretty close. They're they're going to say close to the same thing, but we're all going to read it together out loud at the same time. It's going to sound like a jumble, but we're still going to get the gist of it. So here we go. On the count of three, we're all going to read John 1-1 through John 1-5 together. Three, two... One, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend. It. I could not comprehend that. Alright, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that was the first time we've done that. That was also the last time we're going to that. That was intense. Maybe we'll do it for like one verse. But uh, you, you guys kind of get the gist of it, right? You guys get the gist of what was being said. Uh, all right, we're done. No, I'm just joking. We're going to spend a lot of time. Uh, so guys, uh, I encourage you guys to take notes. I encourage you guys every week. Uh, so if you've been coming for a long time, you have probably getting tired of me saying take notes. Uh, and if this is your first time, uh, we encourage you to take notes. Not because I think I have anything good to say Uh, because, you've heard my jokes, they're bad, Uh, but it's because I think God's Word has some good things to say. I don't actually think God's Word has good things to say. I know God's Word has good things to say, and there are things that we can apply to our life, and so I would encourage you guys to take notes. If you're taking notes tonight, the title uh, of this week's message is Logos. Everyone say, Logos. Uh, It's not Logos. Uh, like Nike and Adidas, but it's Logos. And we're going to talk about what that means in just a minute. Um, But before we do so, just because you guys know I love history, we're going to do a little more history lesson, uh, because it's not superfluous and it's very, very necessary. That's what John Chrysostom said. The earliest uh, known copy we have of the Gospel of John, uh, not in its completion, but the earliest fragment from the book of John we have comes from John chapter 18, uh and the earliest fragment we have dates to about 130 AD. So what scholars have done and they believe, okay, through the passing down and the copying and the rewriting of this, because this portion of John we have is written in ancient Egyptian uh, and is found in Egypt. So it had made its way from Ephesus through the Middle East, down to Egypt. And they would say that took roughly about 40 years or so, which would lend to where most scholars think the Gospel of John was written, sometime in the late 80s AD, early 90s AD, which would have been about 10 years before... Uh, John passed away traditionally. Traditionally, uh, the church history would tell us that he died in about 101 to 102 AD. So John was an old guy. And remember, we talked about him last week being the Yoda disciple, <laughs> right? He'd walk up all slow-like and would just say, Love and let us love one another. And then he'd walk away. Wise old man. Uh, but yeah, he he wrote this down. And, uh, the earliest copy we have is about 130, uh, A.D. Now, many people, uh, would hold that John, uh, and his gospel is a Hellenistic gospel. Does anyone know what Hellenistic means? I remember when I asked the youth a few, uh, years ago about, uh, what is Hellenistic or Hellenizing. Uh, They're like, does it mean about going to hell? Uh, and I was like, no, no, no. no. So does anyone know what Hellenistic means? It means going Greek. It means going Greek. Literally Hellenistic why, why. means I'm going Greek. I think I'm turning Greek. I think I'm turning Greek. I really think so. Uh, it comes from uh, the Greek word helos, uh, which is the Greek word for Greece. Uh, here in America, America is America. But in Greece, it was Elos. I don't know how it works, but that's just how they pronounce Greece in Greek. Uh, And so it was to make things Greek. And so many would say that John, the Gospel of John, is a very Greek um, gospel, and it was written probably to Greeks and philosophers. And I would say, yeah, at some point it was, but um, John was not just written to Greeks and philosophers. It was written to all people, and it is for all people. Uh, Charles Erdman points out that John follows a theme, and the theme is to answer uh, three important questions. And so I actually brought the book with me that has these questions, uh, because I I think these are awesome. And I want you guys to write these down. um, And... Uh, as we continue for the next 40 plus weeks to go through here, I want us to keep referring back to these three questions, okay? This is what Charles Erdman has to say. He says this, How then shall we regard Jesus? It's a good question. He says this, He says, Is he to be admired as the best of men, or may he also be worshipped and trusted as God? Was he the greatest of the prophets, or is he also the Messiah, the predicted Savior of the world? Okay? So the first question is, how should we regard Jesus Christ? So as we take a while to look at the book of John, the first thing I want us to approach every single time we come on a Tuesday night, and as you guys are doing this on your own, is how should we regard Jesus Christ? The second question is, does it really matter how we regard him? Is it really important what we think of Jesus And then thirdly, um, it is this. Has there been sufficient evidence on which to base a belief? And do we have such a testimony that would warrant trust? So the first question, how do we regard Jesus? Second question, does it even matter? And the third question, is there sufficient evidence within this gospel that would lend us to believe a specific man? So I think these are pretty good questions. And guys, we're going to come back to these uh, over and over again. But I want us to kind of really look tonight. What we're going to do tonight is we're really going to spend some time in John chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, it's a portion of scripture that says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so, not many words, but we're going to go through them tonight. Uh, throughout history... Uh, this portion of scripture in John is called uh, the prologue, okay? And, and really it's the only gospel that has a prologue uh, in its beginning. And so the question is, why did John write a prologue or, or anything like this? Well, W.E. Vine writes that, Here Christ is at once presented to us in the grandeur of his eternal deity, and that no profounder truths concerning the Son of God are to be found in the contents of the sacred volume than those that are given here in the first few verses of the Gospel of John. So we see that Jesus is presented as full deity. And many, not just W.E. Vine, but many, many scholars would say that this portion of Scripture, John chapter 1, verse 1, is one of the most profound portions of Scripture there is. Raymond Brown goes on to say uh, that this is uh, a, a hymn and a poetic summation uh, of the whole theology and the narrative of the Gospel of John. So it's put to a hymn and to some prose. So John uh, was not only appeasing the Greeks who understood prologues and understood hymns and understood philosophy, which we're going to get to, but John was writing to all peoples, both Jew and Greeks. And he was presenting Jesus Christ both as the Logos, which is the reason why that's our title, uh, which is uh, the Greek word for word. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys in your Bibles you see when it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Uh, what is the capitalization or under caps of the word word? It's word, word. Yeah, it's capitalized. Uh, does anyone know why it's capitalized? It's capitalized in the Greek. It's capitalized in the Greek, yes. And that Greek word there is logos. And so we're going to break down what logos is, or maybe who logos is. Uh, in just a second. But the reason why John presents Jesus Christ as the Logos is first to appease those who are followers of Plato, uh, followers of Pythagorean, uh, followers of uh, Philo, and and all the sophists, and all those who are Stoics. He's like, hey, there are Greeks who understand philosophy, so we're going to present this uh, in a very Greek way, but he also presents Jesus as the Son of God and the pre-existent Christ uh, of the Father thus appeasing some Jewish ideas and some Jewish uh, theologies and beliefs. And and as we continue on tonight, uh, we're going to see a guy by the name of Justin Martyr. I mentioned him a little bit last week. Uh, Well, we're really going to break down some of the things that he had to say regarding John. But before we do so, uh, I want to mention there's a theologian today um, whose name is R.C. Sproul, and he has a few comments, uh, and he, and he, he says regarding to uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, that he believes that the inclusion of the prologue uh, has to do with John's overriding goal for the Gospel of John. So not only is it going to help with these three questions, but the overriding goal of John is so that we can experience and know who Christ is. It is so that we can find the identification of who Jesus Christ is. And for any of you who have read the Gospel of John, uh, he focuses a lot on telling the story of who Jesus really is. And then if you go on to read uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, you're going to see he likes to paint the picture of this is Jesus. Jesus is not only the life, but he is the light and he is the love for this world. And and so we're going to spend some more time breaking these down in the weeks to come. But here uh, in the prologue of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, we see how John echoes Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You see... Bible begins, and really all of history begins with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And now John starts this off, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And we see just a few verses later on that Jesus was very involved in creation, and that all things were made were made through him. And so in doing this, uh, John correlates... um, how the creation of our universe, the creation of our world is directly related to Jesus. And so as a result, we as followers of Jesus can have a direct connection and correlation and relationship with the creator of everything. And I think that's pretty cool because it makes me who thinks of myself very smallly, uh, because we're just little people in a big universe. Uh, but we can have a personal relationship with the creator of everything. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, but ultimately, John uh, and his statements here are more uh, more than any other passage of Scripture, are paramount to all that we have to do. And they are paramount in our beliefs and in our doctrines concerning the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and the Godhead, who this all is. And so that's going to be our plan tonight, guys, Is we're going to break down, and and, and I just want to let you know, this is more... Less of a sermon, more of a kind of teaching opportunity, because we're really going to break down who Jesus is from uh, just one verse, okay? And that's kind of hard to do, so there's going to be a lot of information flowing tonight, but like I said, we're not here to get information, we're here for revelation that leads to transformation. So you're going to get a lot of information, but it's going to be able to be put back into things that we can apply. So next week, uh, I, I'm just going to forward you, next week we're in John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, again. Uh, but it's it's more of a sermon that's like, alright, this is going to flow, uh, and we're going to hit all the way up through verse 5 next week. Uh, but tonight, what we're really going to do is we're going to look at the doctrines concerning uh, the Trinity, the doctrines concerning uh, the Godhead, the doctrines concerning Christology, uh, that is the study of who Christ is, uh, and we're going to try and do that in the next half hour. Is that okay? Can I have you guys attention for the next half hour? Is that good? I want to show a nod of heads. You guys all go with that? I saw one head shake. No. It's my intern. That's horrible. Um, <laughs> my goodness. Well, here it is a prayer that Jesus uh, has existed as God since the beginning. Uh, and John uses the Greek word logos as we've talked about. Um, now this logos uh, is uh, the pre-existent Christ, and has a lot to do with history, even pre-Christianity. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But I want to read you guys uh, another quote uh, by a theologian by the name of N.T. Wright. Has anyone ever heard of N.T. Wright before? Uh, his biggest person he's up against is N.T. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or N.T. Less. No, I'm horrible. I, gosh, i got to stop this. Uh, but the theologian N.T. Wright uh, characterizes the word Logos. Uh, as being the incomprehensible in human language. He claims that through belief in the Logos, uh, this will transform people with its judgment and mercy. According to Wright, John's view of incarnation, uh, or, or the incarnation of the Word becoming flesh, strikes at the very root of what he terms the liberal denial of the idea of God becoming human. His assessment is that when The enfleshment and the spoken word is removed from the center of Christian theology. All that is left is a relativism whose only moral principle is that there are no moral principles. No words of judgment because nothing is really wrong except saying that things are wrong. No words of mercy because... You're all right as you are, so all is needed for affirmation. So in order, I mean, in essence what N.C. Wright is saying is if we take the Logos, if we take the Word out of Christianity and we take the idea of Jesus being this pre-existent Word out of Christianity, we end up with some moral relativism where there's no absolutes, there's no truth, what's right to you can be wrong to me, but what's wrong to me could be right to you, that's what I just said. Um, There's no absolutes, but... We know, as we believe the Bible, uh, that there are absolutes. There is absolutely a God. There is absolute truth. And we can know what is right and we can know what is wrong. We can know what is morally acceptable and what is morally unacceptable because of the Word of God, both in its written form and in its manifested form in Jesus Christ. So it is imperative that we understand and we know and we believe um, in God. Uh, and Jesus as the Logos. Now, John, as I stated earlier, he wrote to both Jews and Greeks. But what I want us to really do, first of all, uh, is, is, is look at what it means when he wrote to the Jews. Uh, because when he writes to Jews, uh, he's writing kind of it's the idea that the rabbis had taught in the uh, early uh, first century and in the previous centuries B.C. And what the rabbis taught was that the Torah, uh, or the first five books of the Bible, uh, was God's pre-existent wisdom that existed and was operating in creation. The Jews and the rabbis of the uh, of the early first century and the late centuries B.C., they believed that the law was the thing that was involved in creation. It was God and the law, and they created everything together. And so what John is going to do is he's going to break down, he's going to say, all right, yes, we understand the law, but I want to break that down even more, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, and that Jesus Christ is actually the pre-incarnate Uh, Logos, the Word of God that was spoken forth and was involved in creation. So firstly, John shows the Jews that Jesus is pre-existent with the Father. Uh, And as... I'm going to give you guys some epic Greek names. Is that okay if I give you some Greek names real quick? Okay, there's a guy from the city of Antioch, and his name is Theophanes. Everyone say Theophanes. 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 Right. Was that what he was really born as? Who knows, because he was a Christian leader uh, of the church, and Theo is the Latin for God, and so maybe he just gave himself a godly name because he was in the church. But Theophanes of Antioch and uh, Augustine of Hippo point out that uh, that John is really looking at uh, Psalms, chapter 33, verse 6. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John, chapter 33, verse 6, um, when he is using the phrase Logos, because it is used in the Old Testament. Now, you guys are like, well, how does that work? Because the Old Testament wasn't written in Greek, so it was written in Hebrew. Well, how many of you guys know that the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew into Greek by... Some Jewish scholars, you guys know how many of them there were? 72. Yes, 72, some traditions hold 70. Uh, And it is called the Septuagint, which means the 70 coming together, okay? And so the Septuagint's translation of Psalms uh, uses the word Logos. And this is what it says, Psalms chapter 33, verse 6. Y'all there, let me know by saying, holla If you're not there yet, let me know by saying, hold up. Psalms chapter 33, verse 6. This is what it says. It says, by the word, Logos, of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by his breath, which is the Greek word pneuma, of his mouth, all of their hosts. So in essence, what David, the writer of the Psalms, is saying is is that God the Father, along with his Logos and with his pneuma, created all that there is. Now here's a little bit of Bible funness for you and trivia for you. How many of you guys know the word Trinity is not used in the Bible anywhere? Okay, it is not a biblical term. Trinity is not from the Bible, uh, but the doctrine and the theology of the Trinity is most definitely from the Bible. Uh, it's just not used by example or 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 by uh, name. Now, this would be something that would come up if you were talking to someone who was maybe of a non-Trinitarian belief, i.e., they believe that God is not three in one. Okay, Some, uh, some groups, cults, or other religions that believe this would be Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witness, uh, some Unitarian churches. Uh, they would believe that Jesus is not God. I actually have in here a copy of a Jehovah Witness Bible. Uh, it was left at our church, uh, which meets at a school. And the school said, hey, we have a Bible. Someone left it. And I went and I picked it up and I was like, I have a Christian Bible. Um, and so it's actually being used to help level our projector. Uh, I, was like, oh, I don't want anyone to pick it up thinking it's a Bible. Uh, but Wesley, since you're tall, can you reach up there and grab that for me? well uh, oh, not you, Wesley. Other Wesley. Uh, it's, it's on the very top of the projector. Uh, on the box. No, no, uh, on the top of the box. Up a little uh, higher. Oh, that. oh, you can't reach that? Yeah. Get on the chair. Alright, get on a chair real quick. Everyone give up for Wesley for being our epic helper. Yeah, well there you go, Wesley. Yeah! Alright, toss that thing up to me. I wouldn't have you toss a real Bible, but you can toss this one. Okay. Uh, so this is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. And just freaky. Okay? This is really freaky. Yeah, it's got the spec. That's how I knew it was a Jehovah Witness Bible. All Bibles with the cool Dalmatian speckles. They're Jehovah's <laughs> Bibles. Uh, true. True. Um, this is what it says. John chapter 1, verse 1. And this is actually quite scary. As I can, if I can turn it. Alright, this is what it says. Anyone know what it says? Anyone got ideas what it says? It does not say all of it. That was the yeah, that's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. I mean, to the innocent ear, it sounds like the exact same thing. But when you listen to it with a fine-toothed ear, well, you can't have a fine-toothed ear, but if you listen to it with a, with a fine-toothed comb, uh, it says, And the Word was a God. And it's not a capital G God, but it's a lowercase God. So what they would believe is that Jesus was created. And that he is not God. And so, when talking to a Jehovah Witness and a Mormon, and we're going to break this down a lot more next week. Uh, Like I told you, I already have next week all planned out, and so we're going to break this down a lot more next week. But, when talking to them, uh, the number one thing you always got to do when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon is you got to talk about the deity of Christ. Because they say, Jesus isn't God. Uh, and then their number one thing they always fire back with, and I can tell you this from experience, the number one thing they fire back is, well, where do you find Trinity in the Bible? It's like, ah, oh, yeah, you got me. But here's the little bit of Bible trivia that I want to help you guys out with. We don't see the word Trinity in the Bible at all, but we can see the Trinity in the Bible in multiple places. I just tossed it, it's okay. Um, This is a very good place where we see it. Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. It says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all of their hosts. This verse contains the Trinity. Hmm. Where? Where? That's the King James of Psalms chapter 33, verse 6. King James, New King James, they're all going to say it any translations, yeah, 33.6, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. Now, this isn't even a sermon note, so this is a bonus for everyone, okay? No. But this is what it says, okay? By the word of the Lord. When you look at it in the Greek and in the Hebrew, Lord is Father God, and the word of the Lord is is the Logos, which by the end of the night, you're going to know Logos is synonymous with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Fully divine, same as God. So now we have Father and Son, and then check this out. It says, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. This word breath here is the Greek word pneuma, which is also used in the New Testament to describe, guess who? None other than the Holy Spirit. And so, by God creation, but by the Word, so God with Jesus and with His Holy Spirit, everything was created. That's pretty cool. And you'll probably make the Jehovah's Witnesses in the morning be like, I didn't know that. I should probably do my homework. Uh, because this is important. But we're not going to focus on the Holy Spirit part of it. We just did a six-week series on the Holy Spirit. We're focusing on Jesus right now. Uh, and so, Lord. This is Jesus. So John is correlating um, something here that the ancient Jews understood. Moses himself also understands uh, the concept of God being uh, three in one. Okay? When Moses writes down Genesis chapter one, if if we were to look at Genesis chapter one right now, we see that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then he goes on to say, let there be light, and that the earth was formless and without void, and that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the deeps well, who do you think that spirit of the Lord hovering over the deeps is? It's the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we're not talking about that. And then it goes on to say, when he's creating man and woman, what does God say? He says, let us create, he uses the word us, which is weird when you're talking about yourself, unless you're God, who's three in one. He says, let us make for ourselves man in our, our, our image. image. Ooh, come on, preach. So Moses understands that God is three in one. And Moses goes on to say, later on, things that back this up. Uh, But along with all of this, uh, and some of the pre-Christian Jews and all of the Greek Jews uh, saw the law as the pre-existent with the Father, as His wisdom, okay? And the Greek word there for wisdom, for all you guys who like Greek words, you're getting a lot of them tonight. The Greek word there is Sophia, okay? So early Jews... Uh, during the Greek period, they applied the wisdom, uh, just like the author of Proverbs applies wisdom to a female uh, sense. Uh, it just so happens that the Greek word there is Sophia, which is actually a female name. But what John goes on to do is explains how that Sophia is in all reality the Logos of God, uh, the Son being Jesus Christ. And so as seen in the Jewish texts of Sirach and Baruch, uh, we see that the Sophia is presented as pre-existent with Christ. But John, as with Paul and Luke, uh, they explain that this wisdom is in fact the Logos. Okay? Now I mentioned a, a few moments ago, maybe you didn't catch on it, uh, but we're going to talk about one guy real quick. It's a historical figure by the name of Philo. Has anyone ever heard of Philo before? In Stitch? Okay, I, I know. Not, no, that's Lilo and Stitch, not Philo and Stitch. <laughs> oh uh, and Philo, <laughs> not like the kind of bread, but Philo was a person. So, you said you heard of Philo? Yeah. Anyone else hear of Philo before? <laughs> All right. This, can you tell me something about Philo? I was, I've only heard his name. I okay, you know. heard his name. Well, I'll tell you who he is. Does, does everyone know who Philo was? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Philo was a Greek Jew, so he was Jewish, but he had been Hellenized, and he was from Alexandria, and he was mm-hmm. a uh, philosopher, and he liked philosophy a lot, and he existed before Christ, and um, And he taught a theology about Logos, and his theology about Logos was that Logos was the angel of the Lord, okay? He adopted concepts that were written by Plato, and were written down uh, by Socrates and Aristotle, uh, that Logos, in the Greek sense, the pagan sense, was the divine animator. Logos was the divine animator that gave all living things life. And so, uh, as we're going to see later on, I'm not going to steal the thunder of that, but the Jewish and the Greeks are given Christianity by a guy by the name of Justin Martin and says, look, you guys have been believing this, now let's put a name to what you believe that name is Jesus. You can believe in Jesus. But we're going to talk about that in just a, a few more moments. But not only uh, did John resonate with the Jews, but he also resonated with those who were Platonic and Stoic, Uh, philosophers in their view of Logos. In the 3rd century B.C., Stoics believed that Logos, as I said, was the divine animating source of all life. And Platonists believed that Logos was the form of all the good. And so if you know anything about uh, Platonic... Philosophy. Anyone know anything about Plato and philosophy? Yeah, don't work your mind on it. It's freaky. It's weird. I don't get it. Uh, but they base everything off of forms. And everything has a form. And there's the metaphysical and the physical. And it goes beyond that. And everything has a form and a purpose. And what they would say was that the logos was the form of all that was good. And so that all the forms are based off of the form that was good, being the Greek logos, which is some divine wisdom, okay? Which... Christianity would then bring full circle and say, that is Jesus, and now you can meet this Jesus and have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's pretty cool stuff. Justin Martyr, uh, as I said we were going to be talking about him, he uses the Logos theology to to defend Christianity against the Romans. Uh, During the second century, uh, Justin Martyr was living about 150 A.D., and they were facing persecution from a guy by the name of Antonius Pius. Everyone say Antonius Pius. Antonius okay. Pius. Okay. He was the Roman emperor at the time, and he was killing Christians like crazy. And so what Justin Martyr does is Justin Martyr writes what is called an apology. Does anyone know why it's called an apology? Okay. It's where we get our modern use of the word apologetics, which is defending the faith. Apology is just the Greek way of saying giving a defense. Okay. So he gives a defense to Antonius Pius saying that, hey, Jesus has actually been active in creation since the beginning, and the Greek forefathers, the Roman forefathers, they knew him by a different name, but they were blinded by the lies of this world. But this is the same person who was being talked about, the Logos, the divine animator. This Logos, the divine animator, is not some god of a pantheon of gods, but is the one true god, and his name is Jesus Christ. He wrote this letter to the emperor, we don't know if the emperor read it, but Justin the Martyr lived for a little while. There's a reason why his name's is Martyr. Uh, but, so, then Ananias Pius and his son, Marcus Aurelius. Has anyone ever heard of Marcus Aurelius before? How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Gladiator? Okay. It's a good movie, but I can't condone those kind of movies from the pulpit, but it's a good movie. Um, yeah, I just condone it. Um, okay, so it starts out with Marcus Aurelius, and Marcus Aurelius dies. He was a very real person. Uh, and Marcus Aurelius was the last of the Stoic philosophers, and he's one of the most famous Stoic philosophers. Justin Martyr also uh, appeals to Marcus Aurelius and says, hey, I told your dad, your dad got it, and you stopped persecuting us, you need to stop persecuting us also. Jesus is the only way. Well, Marcus Aurelius, his father, Ananias Pius, wasn't really a philosopher, he just knew philosophy. Marcus Aurelius was a philosopher and was mad that Justin Martyr was saying, hey, Jesus is the answer, and he ended up killing Justin Martyr for his faith, um, which is kind of sad, but also kind of cool for Justin Martyr. Um, But what he did in all of this was he presented a theology that has now stuck and is the basis and the crux for what we believe as Christians when it comes uh, to Jesus. But not only did he try and prove it to those who were Roman and those who were Greek, but he also proved Jesus as Messiah to a guy by the name of Trifo. Everyone say Trifo. Any of you going to name your kid Trifo? That's a weird name. Uh, But Trifo was a Jew from Alexandria that Justin Martyr wrote showing that Jesus was the uh, pre-existent Logos. And he also states uh, that no man should be honored more than the truth. So Jesus, being honored, he cannot be honored more than the truth because he is... Uh, uh, he, he can't be honored more as a man. So because he's honored more, he is the full truth and he is uh, God. And on this uh, on this point, uh, we can move on and, and talk a little bit about what is said later on about the life and the light and how Jesus was the life uh, of the world and in the life was the light. And these are the same letters uh, or, or, or the same themes that we're going to see uh, in the letters of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And so with that, I want to just encourage you guys real quick to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. Everyone turn on to 1 John chapter 1. And it just so happens we're going to go to another 1-1. We've been in John 1-1, Genesis 1-1, and now we're going to talk about 1 John 1-1. And what John does here is he echoes uh, the theme of Christ as the central Christ as the Logos Christ as the pre existent uh, part of the Godhead uh, there who was involved in creation. He says this that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have ha- handled concerning. The word of life. So what John is doing is he is writing a letter here to all Christians. And at this time, there were people going around saying that Jesus was not God. And what John says is we have handled with our hands, we have seen with our eyes, we have heard with our ears. We know who Jesus is and he claimed that he was God and he is the word of God. He is the Logos. Luke goes on uh, in the book of Luke to echo these things as well. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke, chapter 1. Now we're jumping all over the Bible. History lesson done, Bible study begins. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 2. Let me know when you're in Luke chapter 1 by saying, All right, there you go. Here we go. I know, I'm making you guys jump everywhere, it's okay. Luke chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, Logos, delivered to us. Luke goes on to reaffirm that Jesus Christ was not only God, not only a man, but he is the one who has been witnessed, and now people are ministering about him since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, the world and the people of the world have been pointing back to Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus as God, Jesus as fully divine. And in all of this, Uh, the pre-existence of Christ uh, is paramount to the core uh, of Christian doctrine. I've said this before. uh, And and it's paramount to the Christian's creed. Does anyone know uh, what the Apostles' creed is? We talked about it a few weeks ago when we were uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. Does anyone know how the Apostles' creed starts? Okay, I believe in God the Father. Okay, that's important. What does it say next? Maker in heaven and earth. And the next line says, I believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Who said, that was awesome. No, he says, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son. And then he goes on to, to break down how Jesus came to be. Uh, but it is paramount that we understand that Jesus was not created and that Jesus was in the beginning with God. Okay, he wasn't after the beginning, but he was in the beginning. So when all time started, when existence began, Jesus was already there with God the Father. Okay, and we're gonna really break this down next week. But but this is a cool nugget of truth that I was like, I'm probably not gonna share it with them this week, but I I'm just going to because it fits right here. Uh, I was doing a little bit of studying in the uh, in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, the, the prophet Habakkuk... Did you guys know there's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk? <laughs> okay, yeah. In, in, in the book of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk is saying, praise our God who is one. Okay? And when I was like, okay, that's cool. Trinity's not seen in the Bible. But when you look at what the Greek word... I mean, I mean the Hebrew word there for God is... The Hebrew word for God is... You guys all got this? Akkad. Everyone say Akkad. A-C-H-O-D. And what Akkad means is... One compounded. It's not the Hebrew word for one meaning singular. Uh, it means one compounded. So what does that really actually mean? Because people will say, this, this is another thing Mormons will say to you, well, you can't believe in the Trinity because one plus one plus one doesn't equal one. It equals three. You're like, yeah. But then when you understand what the Hebrew meaning of one God is, it's one compounded. So what's one times one times one? One. One the math. That's crazy. And that's how perfect God is. One compounded, three times, one cubed, three and one equals one. one. And so, I, I thought that was crazy. And so we have to understand that Jesus is with God the Father and is God. Now, Jesus, the Son, is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, just like Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not Jesus, and and the Holy Spirit is not God uh, God the Father. You guys get what I'm saying? They're not all the same thing, but they are the same one. Does that make sense? You tracking? It's been called the divine mystery. We can't actually fully comprehend it. Some people are like, well, yeah, it's like an A. You have the shell, the albumen, and the yolk. They all exist together. Well, yeah, but that's kind of a cracked um oh my no, that's God. What oh, oh, sorry but uh, it's we can't fully comprehend it but it is backed up by scripture and that's what we believe and it's the core of what we believe uh, as I said earlier uh, here it is affirmed that Jesus was the ever-existent as God and as John says in him was the life and the life was the light of the world. If you guys noticed in all the songs that we were singing tonight, and I'm going to ask Bo, Bo, if you can come back up and just start playing the guitar in the background because we're going to worship God just a little bit more uh, as as we're coming to a close. Uh, But if you notice something about the songs, all the songs were talking about uh, Jesus Christ and the light, so much so that we all started stomping like we were rowdy cowboys singing praise to the Lord I saw the light. But that is what it's all about. Jesus is not only the life of the world, but in the life was the life for all men. And so I'm just going to invite you guys to stand with that. Uh, As as uh, as Bo begins to play, uh, we mentioned just a few moments ago, Augustine uh, of Hippo, uh, he says something, and what he says is, today, today, turn your attention to the word. And then he goes on to say, after you turn your attention to the word, know this, that you can have that same word in your heart. Romans tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. One of John's disciples, a guy by the name of Ignatius uh, of Smyrna, uh, he wrote a letter to a group of Christians in the city of Magnesia okay and what he wrote to those who were the the Magnesians he said this he said that we are fully persuaded that there is one god who manifested himself through Jesus Christ who is the word who is the word and so we got to know and, and, and as we continue to study the book of John uh, every time you see the word realize that this is Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that Jesus Christ is God that in can believe in him and you can bring that word into your heart. If you believe it in your heart and if you confess it with your mouth, we can truly say that we have seen the light. We can go from this place saying, I have seen the light. I have seen Jesus. I know who Jesus is. And it is because of what he has done for me that I can have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. I know it was a little bit more of a lesson tonight, so we're gonna lighten the mood a little bit with some song. Sound good? Alright. I walked away, like the sand. I would